0: All right. Now, see, when I was a kid, every summer, my grandparents would have their grandkids up to the cottage in southern Wisconsin. Uh, These were incredibly memorable times for us, as my brother, my two cousins, and myself would get to spend a weekend together playing games, enjoying times on the lake, going to amusement parks, and generally just getting to know each other more, our our grandparents more, and and occasionally my aunt's. Now, these weekends were also times when my older brother or my older cousin would decide to see how many big words they could use in conversation. It would always end the same way. I would get confused and ask what a word meant. I was confused, but I didn't want to be left out of the conversation, so I would ask a question. So it was a bit frustrating for me that I would always get the same answer. Instead of being told what I wanted to know, I was told, go look it up. Now, to be honest, I never did. Uh, But each time I got the response, I was being challenged to do some digging so that I would be able to understand and apply the definition of the word for myself. Now, this could seem a little hard, but it challenged me to do a little work and also to think of things in context. Now, our passage today, Jesus gives a similar challenge to his listeners. This morning, we're going to be continuing on in our series in Mark. And so we're going to be looking at Mark 4, 1 through 20. And we will see how Jesus uses a parable about a sower and four different soil types to tell us how God's word impacts our lives and the lives of others. So if you would please open your Bibles with me uh, and follow as I read along. Or follow as I read Mark one through twenty, Mark four one through twenty. Again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen. A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and it immediately sprang up, since there was no depth of soil. And when the the sun rose, it, it was scorched, since it had no root. It withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell in good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing, yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. Immediately, they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word and approves unfruitful. But those that are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. While our passage starts with Jesus teaching beside the Sea of Galilee, it is critically important for us to back up and remember what happened just before this. See, Jesus had just healed a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute, which led him into an encounter with the scribes and Pharisees. This was in Mark 3, 22 through 30 and Matthew 12, 22-32. This led to a couple of different reactions. The scribes and Pharisees could not deny that Jesus had healed the man, but instead claimed that his power and authority to do so came from Satan. His family thought he was going too far, and with good intentions they came to take him away to straighten him out even if that meant putting him in a straitjacket. This is Mark 3, 31 through 35. In the meantime, the crowd continued to come to Jesus and be amazed. And the disciples were right there with Jesus, witnessing the different responses people were having to his message. So that same day, while all these encounters were still fresh in the disciples' minds, Jesus takes advantage of the teaching opportunity to share with everyone listening how his word will impact and grow in different people. And so he tells a parable about a farmer sowing seed in a field with four different soils. Now, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about why Jesus spoke in parables this morning, that chunk in Mark 4, 11 and 12. Pastor Ken will be covering that next Sunday. But what I do want to recognize here is that while it's easy to fly through a parable like this, especially if we've heard it many times, it is important for us to slow down and really consider what Jesus is teaching. This is what parables force us to do. Consider the message and respond. Even if we've heard it many times before. And here's why. Parables are all about application. What are you going to do with what you've heard? And even more so, this is the very heart of this parable. So Jesus uses this parable to teach two things this morning. The first is that this parable teaches us how Jesus' message of forgiveness, his word, will be received by different people. Now, we, we come to this spot and we think, okay, the disciples they've got to get this instantly. Like, they've been with Jesus all along. they spent most of their time with him. But it turns out this isn't the case. Instead of having a grand realization of what Jesus is teaching, the disciples of Jesus, and and this is more than just the core group of the 12, This this is more disciples than that, they come up to Jesus when he's alone, and they ask him what in the world the parable means. See, they need help figuring out the parable, so they ask Jesus. Now, Jesus' response to his disciples can be a little bit jarring. He says to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but to those outside, everything is in parables. And do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Wow, okay, This statement seems a little harsh. It really feels like Jesus is calling his disciples blockheads for not having understood what he's teaching in the parable. However, this isn't really the case. See, what he's doing is he's really calling his disciples to stop and think about the parable. And what Jesus has been sharing uh, and what, what Jesus has been teaching this is a call not only to think about how it applies to their own lives, but it also helps them understand what is happening in the lives of others. So it's critical for them, and for us as well, because this parable helps set the foundation for understanding the other parables that Jesus tells in the rest of chapter 4. Now see, what Jesus is doing in teaching is, is teaching his disciples a lot like a teacher does a student's. Now, are there any teachers in the room? Uh, I'm sure there are. Um, Have you ever had a student come up to you and say, what's the answer to? In other words, tell me the answer. And do you as a teacher do that? Do you always tell them the answer? Or or do you make them work to figure it out by themselves? It's usually the latter one. Now, why do you do this? Is it because you're mean? No, even though maybe your student might think that. It's because you want them to become active learners and not passive learners. This is the approach that Jesus is taking with his disciples. He's giving them a go-look-it-up moment. And because of this approach... He, that Jesus takes, he gives us the opportunity to learn right along with the disciples. Now, we might be ju- tempted to jump right into the four different soil types that are mentioned in the parable, but we need to pause a moment and first examine whats what it is that's being sown. Verse 14 tells us that the sower sows the word. Okay, so the, the seed is the word. Great! But what's the word? Now the word here is the good news that Jesus sent or that God sent his son Jesus into the world. It is the message that the God who is love he has come down to earth to deal with the sin and brokenness of human hearts. And this is the message that we celebrated here on Christmas Eve, the message that love came down. So because of Jesus we can have a restored relationship with God and a true love that transforms our lives as we follow him. And this message, this seed being sown, calls for a response. Yet different people respond to this message in different ways. All right, so let's dig in to the different soil types described. The first soil type that we encounter is the path the path represents those who immediately lose the message that they heard like birds coming down and devouring the seed along the path before it has the chance to sink in Jesus message his word never never sinks in and puts down roots but it's lost instead though they heard the message it's immediately stolen away and it never penetrates their hearts we can see this kind of hearing all the time. We even have a phrase to express it in one ear and out the other. Now, if you're a parent here this morning, you may have even seen this kind of hearing in action today. Whether it's asking something as simple uh, of your son or your daughter as, could you take out the trash? Or or maybe it's something big like talking over your plans of how you're going to celebrate New Year's. We know that they, they heard the message. We, we were there. We had the conversation. But the response and the action, or or maybe lack thereof, by that we know that the message never actually sank in. Now, folks, here's here's what's a little scary. This is what's happening in the hearts of the Pharisees. They were the good religious people of the day. They knew their Bibles inside and out. And they even came to the point where they could not deny that Jesus was doing miracles. They had just seen it earlier that day with Jesus healing the mute and blind man. But instead of the message penetrating their hearts like a well-worn footpath, instead their hearts are hard and they reject Jesus claiming that he cast out demons by the power of Satan rather than believe in the message of Jesus. So the good news is stolen away from them. They, they heard the message, but it never impacted their lives. And instead, they utterly reject Jesus. The word never sank in. Now, we can also react this way to Jesus' message. We can talk with others about Jesus, we we can hear a Christmas message, or we can even read something in the Bible and never let it impact our lives. Instead, because of the hardness of our hearts, we can continue our lives as if we never heard the message at all. But here's, here's hope. This doesn't have to be the case. Let's move on and let's look at the second soil type. The second soil type we encounter is the rocky soil. Now here I have to admit, it's really hard to capture in a picture um, the kind of soil that Jesus is talking about. Often when we see this kind of photo, um, we often see a bunch of rocks piled up on the ground with maybe some plants growing in it, um, or, or not, just because of the, the hardness of the soil. But this can be a little bit misleading because the type of soil Jesus is describing, the rock is below the surface. In other words, this is a big slab of rock, an inch or two down, with, with dirt sitting on top of it. So when the seed falls on it, it immediately springs up since there's no depth of soil. All the growth appears on the surface because it's really blocked out um, from Having any soil depth, it, it literally has nowhere to go but up. So it looks like there's a lot of growth and a lot of health until the sun comes up and starts baking the plants, both from the rock on the bottom and the sun on the top. Now see, the plant in the end, it doesn't survive because it uh, doesn't survive the heat because the roots never got down deep enough to survive it. And this can happen in our hearts and our lives, too. We can hear God's word and receive it with joy at first, but there can be barriers below the surface that hold back the word of God from fully changing our hearts and our lives. As a result, the change in our lives is really only on the surface level. Jesus explains that these are the ones who hear God's word and immediately receive it with joy. However, when suffering, criticism, or persecution comes up because of the word of God, they say, I'm done. The heat's on, the temperature is cranked up, and the seemingly great growth of the word gets scorched out. Now, if we were to look at this, in other words, this is really a place where there's more fans of Jesus and followers of Jesus. Parents, one day, uh, say one day your kids came up to you and begged you to let them join, to let you, let them join a hockey team. They're a fan of hockey. And they've heard how much fun it is from their friends and they want to try to play. They, and and probably you as a parent, receive the message with joy. Yeah! All right, let's go play hockey. now, Fast forward to the end of the first week of practice. You might start hearing things like this. Do I really have to go to hockey practice? Uh, I I don't want to play hockey anymore. Hockey is no fun. Now, I'm sure this will never happen in a family here. But if it did, it's not hard to put two and two together. See, playing hockey itself is fun, but you add in the practicing and the drills and the extra time and effort, and suddenly the joy of playing can get burned up in all of the work of being part of a team. So the temptation is to bail out because it's no longer easy or seems fun. And this can happen in many different areas of life where we're tempted to bail out because it is no longer easy. And what Jesus is pointing to here is this can happen when people hear God's word. They can be a fan of Jesus, they can be excited about his message and even who he is without ever taking the next step and taking on the lifestyle of a follower. The crowd following Jesus is an example of this. They've heard the message, and and they keep coming back for more. However, when when things started getting hard and they realized that following Jesus wouldn't be easy, it it would mean more than being just a fan, they bailed out. And this can be true of us as well. When we're singled out at work, for not being willing to cut corners or or lying to a customer because we love God, or or even when you're at school and your your peers or teachers call you ignorant for following Jesus, we can be tempted to give it up. Like the crowds and, and even the 12 disciples at times, when things get hard and we start getting singled out because we follow Jesus, we can give into the temptation to make our lives easier by dropping the whole Jesus thing and walking away. But if you've done this, this too doesn't have to be the end of the story. All right, so we've looked at the path, we've looked at the rocky soil, so now let's look at the third soil, the thorn-infested soil. Now, this third soil type is really the most challenging to consider. Unlike the seed along the path, here God's word sinks in, and it does lead to growth. It also leads to a response and commitment that is greater than simply being a fan of Jesus, like with the rocky soil. In this soil, God's word grows, and ultimately, but ultimately it does not lead to fruitfulness, where God's word changes our lives to the point where it's evident and spreads to others through us. The problem that Jesus points to is this. Just like wheat growing among thorns, or thorny weeds, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. In other words, those who are living this soil type are in a place where God's role as our good and loving Father and the Lord of our life, in other words, the ultimate authority, is replaced by someone or something else. Now, two weeks ago, Pastor Ken led us through what this looks like when we looked at Jesus' family seeking him out in the text just before this one. See, Jesus' family thought that he was getting carried away with himself. He was challenging the religious authorities and it was getting to the point where his family could soon be in serious trouble with them, too. So with good intentions, they come to take Jesus away. But here's the issue. For Jesus' family, the family image, the lifestyle, and even the relationship had become their top priority over God. Now, now don't hear me wrong. I, I'm not saying that family is not important. It most certainly is. But sometimes even good things, stuff, relationships, and more, can become of greater importance to us in our lives than God and having a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Now, Pastor Ken put this diagram up on the screen two weeks ago to illustrate the two different ways that we can relate to God and stuff. On the left side, God is one piece of our life. But the stuff is greater and more important than our relationship with God. For Jesus' family, the family relationship was in that stuff spot. And on the right, God is central to our lives. And the stuff in our life is all under God's authority. Here's the danger that Jesus is warning the disciples about with this third soil type. Just like thorny weeds can choke out grain from reproducing, when something else takes God's place as the ultimate authority in our lives, it can choke out the power of God and the impact of his word in our lives. This is a danger that we all run into. When we look at God's word, there are many things that he says challenge this, that he says that will challenge the stuff in our lives, and that can become a greater love and authority in our life than him. It could be money, it could be family, comfort, things, a relationship, and so much more. It could be something sinful or it could be something good. But so often, we can be tempted to put that relationship or that thing as the authority even over God. So as a result, when we read God's word and he exposes that issue in our lives, so often we take out our mental whiteouts and delete what he says. The challenge is the more we do this, the more and more we become the ultimate authority in our lives, And little by little, we start squeezing God out. If we continue in this, it can lead to a place where it chokes God and His Word right out of our lives. But even if you're on that path, even if you're in that place, even here, it doesn't have to stay this way. So let's look at the last soil. What does it mean to be the good soil? Jesus spells this out in Mark 4, 20. But to those that are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold Being the good soil means that not only do we hear God's word but we accept it letting God's word sink into our hearts and responding to it It means that we respond to him not as a fan But as a disciple, a follower, letting his word sink in even into the rocky areas of our hearts and following his loving instructions even when they're hard. It means that we give God his rightful place as the ultimate authority in our lives over the good things and the bad things that may spring up and try to take his place. Trusting him as his kids and responding to him as our loving God and Father. And it means that our lives are changed so much by God that it is overwhelmingly obvious that he is at work in our lives by the abundant fruit in our lives. When others come up to us and see how we live life, they can see that there's something different about us. They can taste and see God's love and forgiveness at work in how we talk with each other, care for each other, and respond to each other we continually share and point to our Heavenly Father who has changed our life and we show that he can do the same for them. So here's the first big question this morning. Which soil are you? Which one of these four soils most accurately describes how you're responding to God's word? Are you the path? where you may have heard God's word, but you're responding by ignoring it? Are you the rocky soil, where you've heard God's word, but, in, but are following Jesus only as a fan, never letting it sink down? Are you the thorn-infested soil, where you've heard God's word, but other things have more authority and value in your life than God? Or are you the good soil, where you've heard God's word, accepted it, and are seeing God constantly working in your life to make your life look more and more like your Heavenly Father. Now, here's the deal. We need to take an honest look at our hearts and let God reveal where our hearts are at in our relationship with him today. We need to know which one of the four soils we are most like so that we can come to God and ask him to change us. See, if you're in a place this morning where you know that you're either in the path or the the rocky soil or the thorn-infested soil, there is hope. You don't have to stay that soil type. God, in his love and compassion, wants to change you so that you can know him even more as your good and loving father. In fact, he loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus into the world as a baby that he might live, die, and be resurrected to conquer sin and death, and that we might live in him. He wants us all to be the good soil, and he knows that we cannot do that on our own, no matter how hard we try. So how do we become the good soil? We keep listening to his word accept it, and let it change our hearts and lives through the power of the Holy Spirit, day by day. Each step of the way, we have to depend on him. We keep coming back to our Heavenly Father and asking him to help us. Because just like with soil, our hearts can get hard. Weeds can grow back. But the more and more that we turn to him, the more he works the soil of our hearts and makes it become softer towards him. In the process, he shows us the true depths of our roots in him and the thorns and weeds in our hearts. Yet even as he does that, God is always there helping us, knocking out the rocky barriers, causing our roots, our our love of him to grow deeper, pulling the weeds and taking out the thorns. He constantly reminds us of his love for us and calls us back toward him. Now maybe this morning you're in the place where the good soil really does describe your current relationship with God. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, how does this passage apply to me? I'm glad you asked. To get a good handle on the answer, we need to remember Jesus is using this parable to teach two things. The first we just looked at, how his message of forgiveness, his word, will be received by different people. The second one is who to share his word with. See, Jesus did recognize that even in the crowd, the people were going to be at different places. They were going to receive his word differently. Remember, he encountered a few of them even earlier that morning. So he wants his disciples to be informed on why they were encountering opposition and why people were responding differently. He also wanted the people who were able to receive it to realize which soil they may be and call them to become like the good soil. He called his disciples to see their own rockiness, and challenged them to let his word sink deeper by working to understand his teaching in the parables. Yet, at the same time, Jesus is also permanently, personally demonstrating and illustrating through the parable who we are to share his word with. See, by, this, by the illustration he gives us, Jesus is acting as the sower. Mark 4.14 says, The sower sows the word. But if we look at it, the sower does something that's really quite astonishing. Now, I have to admit, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago and honestly really have little to no understanding of farming at all. However, what I do know is that if you're going to plant seed, you want to get the best crop possible. The best way to do this is to work the ground to make sure that the seed you plant is going to go into good soil. It seems pretty straightforward, even to somebody like me. However, this is not what this farmer does. In fact, what he does seems downright wasteful. Instead of only planting seed in the good soil, where he knows it's going to grow and produce a huge crop, this guy's spreading it everywhere. He's getting it on the path, he's getting it on the rocky soil, he's getting it in the thorn-infested soil, and he's getting it in the good soil. Instead of deciding ahead of time what soil will produce the most, he's giving all of it a chance. Here's how this applies to us. We're also called to be sowers of the word of God. So as sowers of the word of God, we are to sh- sow generously without prejudging who will and will not respond. See, even Jesus, even as Jesus is sitting in the boat along the seashore or healing a demon-oppressed man or talking with the scribes and the Pharisees, Jesus is sharing God's message with all of them, knowing full well that some will respond and... So- Some will seek to destroy him. But he shared God's message with them regardless. Now, to be honest, this can be hard, even for me as a pastor. See, we like to share God's word with those we know will respond with joy. And we don't like to share it with those either we don't like or we know will turn against us and make our lives miserable because of our love for God. But the fact of the matter is that God can and does change even the most unlikely of people. We see this time and time and time again throughout the Bible. Now, many of the letters of the New Testament are a testimony to just this. See, before Jesus changed him, the Apostle Paul was intentionally persecuting and murdering Christians. But God changed him. And God used him to share his word throughout the world, even to the point, uh, even to impact us as we read parts of the New Testament. Now here's the reality. When it comes to sowing God's word, there is a lot of field. God's word is for each and every one of us, both in this building this morning, across the street from us, in our neighborhoods, and around the world. That's a lot of ground to cover. Now, God may not call all of us to be missionaries where we're sharing it all over, around the world, but he has placed each and every one of us in relationships and communities now where we have the opportunity to share it with one another, to encourage, equip, challenge, and build each other up, and to share it with those who do not know and follow Jesus. We all need it. Here's the second piece. Only God knows how his word is going to grow. In 1 Samuel sixteen seven, it says, People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We cannot make the call who will or will not respond to God's word. Only God knows that. The only heart that we can truly look into is our own. And that is why we do need to consider what soil type we are but we cannot judge and determine who and sh- who should and should not hear God's word based on how we assume they will respond because the truth is we all need it and because we all need it we all need to share it this is just as true for us as disciples today as it was for the disciples who came up and asked Jesus to help him understand the parable in Mark 4. So the call to Jesus disciples is the same as the call to us as his disciples today. And here it is. So generously. Let's go to the word and go to the Lord in prayer to end this morning.